0: I was asked to read uh, the scripture and uh, as luck would have it, uh, it has all of those uh, challenging Hebrew names in it, so I'll apologize before I get started. Uh, Judges 4, 1 to 10, from the New uh, Living Translation. After Ehud's death, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazar, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army, army was Sisera, who lived in Hereseth, a Hageddon. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Lappidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day, she sent for Barak, son of Abram, who lived in Keseth, the land of Nephti. She said to him, This is what the Lord, the gods of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Nephthai and Zebulun at Mount Tabor, and I will, send out, I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, But you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh. At Kedesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Nephti, and 10,000 warriors went with him. Deborah also went with him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: Thanks, Bob. I didn't want to read them either, so that's why I asked you to do it. (laughs) Would you stand with me for prayer? Lord, we are uh, very thankful this morning for your word. And you've given us a passage this morning that uh, certainly I, I haven't looked at much through my years and I thank you for this passage this morning I'm sure there are things that you want to say to us and impress upon us today from this word so Lord we're just asking now that you would give us ears that would be attentive we are asking for eyes that would see beyond even the words but see into our context where we live Uh, and we're asking for feet that would march along to be obedient to the things that you show us. And we are so grateful to be here together. So as we learn in community this morning, we ask for the blessing of you, our Father, and you, our Lord Jesus, and you, Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you may not yet know the name of Rakeen Cato. He's uh, 23 years old. And he's the quarterback of the Montreal Alouettes. He's trying hard to earn the right to be the starting quarterback. And I think from the looks of it, he's going to do it. Uh, even though he, uh, they lost the game to Ottawa a couple nights ago. What you may not know is that he is from the projects in Liberty City, which is uh, six Uh, miles out of downtown Miami. He escorted a a journalist back to his hometown and uh, this is a good picture actually of one of the most violent neighborhoods in America. And this young man grew up there uh, and he made it. I mean he never knew his dad who was in prison for the first 20 years of his life. Someone said his neighborhood in in uh, Liberty City is no different than Afghanistan. The only difference is that you don't have the roadside bombs. But seven or eight people get killed every day in Liberty City in this area known as the Projects. So when Cato was 13 his mother died of pneumonia. She was only 39. She was a woman who worked two jobs to put food on the table for her family. And her death was absolutely devastating to Rakim. His dad was in prison. He was alone. And I think the story is correct that he was left to the care of some older siblings to kind of help him along. So Cato has come up through this tough neighborhood to make a life for himself. And he knows what it's all about to look over his shoulder and check. To see that he's not getting in the middle of a a gunfight in his neighborhood. He made it through. Uh, He's now quarterback. And, of course, we all wish him well as we learn about his story. And we pray that he will know Christ. Uh, The story of hardship and panic, though, is the story of many today. Not just for Keem. People who live uh, in various parts of the world, who live in places like Iraq and Syria and Iran... Uh, we've just been to Michigan, and our kids there uh, leave their doors unlocked when they drive away from their house. I didn't think there was actually a place on the planet that would do that anymore. And I say, shouldn't we lock up? And they No, we could, we could, but we don't need to. What a different world from Liberty City! we had a gentleman in church last Sunday and I see he's in church again this Sunday who has come from Iran and he speaks of the persecution in that land especially if you name the name of Jesus and and uh, he has come to know the pastor that we pray for pastor Saeed who is in one of the prisons in in uh, Iran and in Syria and in Iraq A high percentage of the population live their daily lives in fear of what is just around the corner. Better keep your head up. Nothing has changed over the centuries of time. Now we've been looking at at stories of the Old Testament, some of the biblical characters, the story of Moses, the story of Abraham, the story of Gideon last week, and, and today the story of Deborah. And I find that one of the most, the common elements in most of the stories is this whole battle for survival. They lived in Liberty City ghetto. They lived in the projects. It just looked differently, but that's really what it was. And you know, when you read the Old Testament, how often we comment, wow, this is pretty gruesome stuff. How many have ever said that? Like, wow, that is tough stuff because the Bible tells it like it is. And even this morning, some of the story in the Deborah account, we would tend to edit out, but we can't because it's there. And I think the ivory tower and the suburbs have influenced a lot of Canadian and American uh, evangelical theology. And we end up with a very protected, safe, sanitized faith. Now, I admit there are hard passages in the Bible which I don't get. I don't understand. But I know as I look at the world today and what's happening in the war-torn parts of the world that I know God is at work in some of the most desperate places in the world. And this tribal warfare has existed through the centuries of time. And in the most violent of scenes God is there and He's rescuing and He's bringing justice. So can I share with you a couple of things this morning? And i just tell you the story of Deborah, first of all. The story of Deborah. Uh, Do you know the story? Uh, I had to really dust it off myself to get back into it. The main part of the story is found in Judges chapter 4. We didn't read the whole section, but uh, the whole chapter of Judges 4. Before Israel had a king, they were ruled by the judges. And I think you know that Israel had a very hard time staying on track in walking with God. And when they were disobedient, God allowed their enemies to have the upper hand and they understood what it was to have ISIS breathing down their necks. The Canaanites. Last week I think it was the Midianites. And then sometimes it's the Amalekites. There's always some kind of ites that are hunting them down. And they've got to keep their head up because you know they could get outgunned on any, any side. And then God would call them back to His heart and when they would respond, God would raise up another judge who would be instrumental in rescuing them from their enemies and again bringing peace and stability to the land. So Judges chapter 4, here's the cycle that we're most familiar with. The people of Israel kept right on doing evil in God's sight. With Uhud dead, God sold them off to Jabin, king of Canaan, who ruled from Hazor. Sisera, who lived in Harashit, Hagoyim, was the commander of his army. The people of Israel cried out to God because he had cruelly oppressed them with his listen to this, his nine hundred iron chariots for twenty years. Nine hundred iron chariots, oppression for twenty years. That's the situation. That's the Liberty City projects. They were gunned down. They were they were run down by the chariots. They took great delight in finding an Israel out in the field tending their crop and, crop, and just over the hill one of the Can- Canaanite military would just come bearing down on them with a, with a chariot. You have no chance against a chariot. Think of Ben-Hur. They, moved, they mowed down the Israelites for 20 long years and a great cry went up to God because of the horrible life in the ghetto of their own land. It was a continuous cycle. And I know we can't be too critical of of Israel because uh, not too much changes over the course of time. And we might be able to see the cycle in our own lives. Uh, Let's be honest. We all know that we're in a battle for a strong, vibrant walk with God. And the enemy will do everything he can in your life to find your weak spots and he'll make it his purpose to bring you down. And we all have this up and downness in our lives. But the key is when you get hammered to the ground, to get back up again as soon as you can and don't allow the enemy to keep winning. Keep calling out to God. Keep admitting your need. Keep inviting the Spirit of God to be your guide and your encourager and the one who will strengthen you. Now there are four main characters in the story, two on the good side, two on the bad. On the good side, the new judge on the scene, her name is Deborah. Awesome lady, inspirational. The recognition in that day of a woman of God who would lead her people. This was rare. Awesome lady. She had such a wonderful faith in God. She was a judge and she was a prophetess, and Deborah was a singer, and she was a songwriter, she had an impressive resume. About 30 years ago, a young athletic star named Billie Jean King, how many of you remember that name? Yeah. Was challenged to a tennis match in what was billed the Battle of the Sexes, do you remember? Another American tennis star, Bobby Riggs. He was 55 at the time. He'd been considered the best player in the world after he won the Wimbledon and three U.S. Opens. uh, But years later, he thought he still had it. And he could beat a 29-year-old because she was a woman. And he actually practiced in a T-shirt that said, if I'm to be a chauvinist pig, I want to be the number one pig. (laughs) That was Bobby Riggs and so before a live audience of thirty thousand and a viewer audience of fifty million King soundly trounced Riggs in consecutive sets Riggs was humiliated as the match clearly advanced the argument that a young woman could beat an older man something few people today would, would even question clearly the honor went to a woman well Deborah recruited a man from the military by the name of Barak. No relationship to that guy. That's not him. And so one day the spiritual leader of the Israelites, the new judge, Deborah, the one who heard the concerns of her people, had a word from God. Now friends, thank God that he speaks to us. He speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word, the Bible. And sometimes he puts a word in our hearts through dreams. And sometimes he puts a a word in our heart through nudges. And sometimes he he can give you an encouragement through walking through sprinklers. And he just has a way of giving you a word. And God did that with Deborah. And when Deborah got the word, she texted Barack to give him a heads up. That God was going to do something to resolve these 20 years of ghetto living. Barak is going to be called upon to lead the charge. And he'll be asked to call up 10,000 warriors to fight against the Canaanites. And he's going to be the military leader. Now we have no, no evidence that he'd had any experience at all that he was a military leader. He might have been. But he's getting the call. Now you have to be ready when somebody texts you and says you're needed you're needed in leadership. You're needed to step up to the plate. And you're needed uh, to use your abilities and gifts for the glory of God. The Bible is full of illustrations of God calling and prodding people into service in spite of their overwhelming sense of inadequacy. And in every instance, their faith in God gets bigger. And how, how many of us know that? You get pushed out of your comfort zone and you've got to call on God and your faith gets bigger when people describe their first ministry experiences they use phrases like I was so afraid I felt so inadequate I went into that feeling so unprepared one pastor writes, he says, Since personal ministry is an integral component to spiritual growth, we are committed to involving as many people as possible, as young as possible, as soon as possible. We don't wait until people feel prepared or fully equipped. We, he says, if you wait to engage people in ministry until they feel like they're ready, you'll wait a long time. So sometimes you've got to just push people into the pool. God may be leading you into some new ventures this fall. Perhaps leading a, a home group. Never done that before. And you might be willing to step out. Say, I could do that. I don't... I'm, I'm scared. But I could do that. So pray. Ask the Lord. Uh, maybe... Uh, involved in mentoring someone. There, I think there's a little insert in your Sunday news today, working with the youth. Maybe you'd, you'd consider m- mentoring someone, a youth. And in due time we look forward to a brand new church plan. We start everything at ground level with a new church plan. And wow, is that a faith building experience as, as Bob has kind of just said, we've watched God as this ministry develop through the years. You may hear God speaking and say, I would love to do that. Now, not everybody will, and I know that. It's not everybody feels called to start a new church plan, but there will be some that God will clearly say, ah, oh, that's me. I feel like God is saying, that's where I want you to be. So Barack gets the call. Now, on the enemy side, we have two people. Jabin, who is one of the Canaanite kings, he's calling the shots for the Canaanites. And then we have Sisera, who is the commander of Jabin's army. And all I have to say about him is he's a cruel dude. He's a cruel dude. He delights in making others miserable. His passion in, in life is to make life as terrifying and awful for the Israelites mowed them down, knocked them off and his greatest pride was stretched out there in his backyard in that military war field. 900 iron chariots. The war machine of the day. The biggest and the best and he felt pretty confident that he could take on just about anybody. 900 iron chariots. Top of the line chariots reinforced iron sport wheels with grinders attached the backup of his foot soldiers now in the midst of that Deborah gets a word from God gets a word from God anybody here this morning in a tight spot need a word from God Deborah asked Barak to go to war against Sisera and King Jabin. One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinom, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Now, it's only fair to put yourself in Barak's shoes. He's just received a military command from Deborah, Deborah the judge at the time. First, he has to recruit 10,000 soldiers but most challenging to his mission is to take on Sisera with 900 iron chariots and a whole army. Now when someone asks you to assume a huge role and you know it could cost you your life, you want to be sure that this person is really hearing from God. Do they really have the word of God? Take on Sisera and 900 chariots what? Me? Take on a leadership role? What? Me? Become a missionary to Iraq? Iran these days? Really, Lord? Is that you saying that? You want me to serve in Syria? You want me to work in El Salvador with all the gangs? You want to be sure this person inviting you is really hearing from God. Do you know how R- R- Barack responds? He says, I will go, but only if you go with me. I'll go, but only if you go with me. Hey, Miss, Mrs. Deborah, judge of the nation, you sure you got this right from God? Just in case you don't, I feel a whole lot better if you're willing to put your life on the line and come with me. I mean, how does a military commander get away with that? Can you imagine what would have happened if the commander of the U.S. Armed Forces in Iraq would have said to the other Barack, if you go with me, I'll go. Or to George Bush, if you go with me, we'll get into this. When a commander gives you an order, you do it. But there was something about Barack that would not let him step out and be the man that God had called him to be. And you've got to love verse 9. Women, oh, I it's okay. You can smile at this one. Very well, she replied. I'll go with you. But you will receive no honor in this venture for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. Now you might be thinking it was Deborah who would receive the glory. But actually it wasn't. And you'll see that in a minute. The battle was fought in the valley just below Mount Tabor. There it is. Mount Tabor is a kind of cone hill rising up from the valley. It's the perfect place not to be fighting because it can be surrounded. I remember uh, the bus not being able to make it up to the top of Mount Tabor. There weren't any Canaanites around, but the roads were very narrow as they as they wound up to the top. And uh, I'm, think, I'm sure things have changed now. So we hopped into cars and we rode to the top of Mount Tabor. Great view, as you can see. A great view from there. This is it where it is believed that Jesus was transfigured. Sometimes it's referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration. Sisera got word that the Israelite army were on top of Mount Tabor. How perfect could this be he brought out his famous 900 war machines all beautifully polished with a little s signature for sisera on the back of each chariot and off he sped with his warriors following in procession and when mount tabor was surrounded deborah said to Barak, get ready get ready watch him. this is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera for the Lord is marching ahead of you. I love to be around men and women who are hearing the voice of God. I pray God will give us leaders in our day who will sound the battle cry. Get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory. Victory. I love what God has done and and He's doing at TCC. Every ministry that I know of here and every other church is faced with the challenge of moving forward with faith and courage. It's never a mechanical plugging in of a few formulas. You just do this, this, and this, and things move. It's never that. It's always an adventure of faith. You don't know what lies beyond the next door. It is a matter of trusting, a matter of hearing God. And a matter of being responsive to the call and mission of Christ for our world. It's never straight or simple. There's always an element of faith and trust. Do we have this right? Are we in unity on this? Is this where God is leading? We're standing on the edge of some new things at TCC. What an an exciting fall is ahead of us. What makes it exciting is that God is leading us to take some more steps. You've heard of the church plant proposal. That's always a faith venture when you plant a new church. It's one step at a time, and that's just what God sort of gives, one step at a time. We want to ask God to open our hearts as well to creating an environment right here in our own body where people are discipled, where people are encouraged, where people are mentored, where people are prompted to step out like Barack and maybe assume a new role take on some leadership capacity maybe it's a learn on the go kind of thing maybe it's saying I want to grow maybe it's saying uh, Lord I want you to stretch me this year we're also very grateful for the way that God has blessed us in bringing our debt load down from six million dollars to two million it's, it's incredible uh, in just three years We want to take further steps because we know that when we don't have a debt at all, we'll have the resources to do more of the things that God's calling us to do. So Deborah says, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. It's an amazing story of conquest. A plan that looks so disastrous. They're on Mount Tabor, worst position in the world to be. And it actually turned out to be a rout. The Israelites, 10,000 strong, ran down the hills of Mount Tabor. And just like Gideon's story from last week, God brought panic to the hearts of the Canaanites. We have a bit of a clue in the next chapter that the the Lord might have caused the rain to fall in a flash flood so that the iron chariots got mired in the mud. The details are sparse and you kind of have to do some surmising. But what we do know is that God was orchestrating a victory over the Canaanites. He, he sent panic upon them. And the Canaanites were completely overwhelmed. The military general Sisera ran for his life and found safety in the tent of Jael. J-A-E-L. Now there was an alliance between this family clan and King Jabin. And Jael, this lady, assured him that he would be safe in her tent, because he's on the, on the flea, and, and offered him milk, and he fell asleep in her tent. But she said before he fell asleep, don't be afraid, she covered him with a blanket, stand at the door, he told her, if anyone comes and asks you that, uh, that if I'm here, say, no, she said, don't worry, I got you covered. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him, Here's the X-rated part of the passage. With a hammer and a tent peg. And you know the story. It was a very nasty conclusion to Sisera. And then Barak came looking for Sisera. uh, But just like Deborah had said to him, the honor went to Jael for taking out the main leader of the enemies and not to Barak. She got him. So that's the story of Deborah. Can I tell you, secondly, a little bit about the person of Deborah? There are three things that I'd like us to learn from this courageous woman of faith, Deborah. And I don't want to overgeneralize, but I want to recognize how important and remarkable Deborah is in these three areas. So let me give you three things. Number one, the ministry of presence. The Ministry of Presence. Deborah said to Barak in verse 9, I will go with you. I will go with you. Remember Barak's response to her request, I'll go, but I'll only go if you go with me. And Deborah said, I will go with you. I will go with you. That is powerful. That is often what is so helpful in keeping a leader focused and emboldened for the role that they're asked to perform. Now Deborah could have fired him on the spot. She could have replaced him. She could have put his nose in the dirt. She could have said, what's wrong with you? Why don't you step up and lead? Do what you're supposed to do or get out of the way. But she didn't do that. She came alongside of him. Man, that's good. She understood. She figured out Barak. We all face our fears. No one likes to fail. We don't want to lose. And we know that often it's the women in our lives who bring us tremendous encouragement. Thank you, women, for standing alongside of us. And I pray we would do the same for you. Barack is saying to Deborah, I can't make it without you. And what does she do? She steps in there to say, no, that's okay. I'll go with you because you're going to win this. It's called the Ministry of Presence. And Deborah models it well. Do you have someone that you're walking alongside of right now and actually what they need most of all is the Ministry of Presence? Do you think you could just step up and not walk ahead or not walk behind? But just walk right beside them. You have no idea what that will do. It will bring them courage and strength for what's coming next. You know, I wonder if Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, was strengthened by knowing his mom was there. Never really thought of that before. Jesus said, Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Maybe just the presence of his mother there. Knowing that it was so hard for her to be there. Oh, that was awful. But on the other hand, so grateful that she was. Some people, when they get married, they think they can change their spouse. Guess what? None of us have the power to fix others. Only God can fix broken people. And if they need fixing, if someone is broken, all you can do is ask God to change them. And and ask God to give you the strength to deal with their brokenness. And sometimes it's simply the ministry of presence that will be most effective. Now, secondly, the ministry of God's presence. The ministry of God's presence. So there's the ministry of our presence and then there's the ministry of God's presence. And Deborah directs Barak's attention to God. Here's what she says in verse 6. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel commands you, call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And then remember verse 14. Deborah says, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. What an encouraging word for Barak. Deborah directed him to God. He said, the Lord's going to go before you. How often has my wife or my mother, daughters, been instrumental in saying hey
0: you're not alone you're not alone God is going before you
1: thank you opposite gender <laughs> you, you have the ability to turn men's hearts to God there's something about your ability who you are that leads and give strength and encouragement and and when you point us to the Lord you remind us that the Lord is going before it can be a game changer I hope we do that for you as well I hope we do that for you as well look at Deborah look at her point Barack to the Lord what did Deborah do she said Hasn't the Lord gone before you? Hasn't the Lord gone before you? You can do this because God has gone before you. Look at God. Don't look at me. Don't look at your ego. Don't look at your failures. Don't look in the mirror. Put your faith in the Lord. Has not the Lord gone out in front of you? Anybody here need that this morning? Hey, friends, sometimes that's all we need to do is simply to remind our family members, remind one another that God is going before you. You don't need to worry. You don't need to worry. Put your full trust in God. And then there's the ministry of giving dignity. The ministry of giving dignity. Not only does Deborah give to Barak the ministry of presence, And not only does she offer the ministry of God's presence, she also has a unique ministry of offering dignity. Verse 9, she admonishes Barak that obeying the Lord would mean that he would not get the honor God intended for him. And when he won, he was able to get some of the credit. I find it fascinating that Barak is mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. I think a lot of that credit goes got to go to Deborah. Can I just say that, women, you have the ability to set men up for victory. And there has to be something humbling about that. Especially when you have the power and the authority, but you set somebody else up for victory. That's incredible. It's like skating towards the net with the puck. And you've got a breakaway. And you can score and you can put it in the net, but you unselfishly pass it off to your teammate. That's incredible. It's being a team player. Of course, I make the same argument for for men setting up women for victory, but I'm just looking at her text, and it's Deborah setting up Barack. Really, she gave Barack dignity. She could have shamed him. She could have berated him. She could have put him down. She could have thrown him out. But no, she said, I'm going to set it up so you can win. And you know, really, that's how God responds to us. He sets us up for the win. He always wants us to win. He's never happy when we choose the path of loss or failure. We're always in a battle until we leave this planet. But it's great because we know the end of the story. And we know the last chapter. And God wins, and so do we. He allowed his son to be hung on a cross in shame so that you and I would never have to live in shame. Preserving our forever dignity. Isn't that incredible? Preserving our forever dignity. Anyone, anytime anyone tries to shame you, remember that's not coming from the Lord. Because the Lord took our shame. He took our sin And when we fall short we go to him and he says I paid that for you. I paid that for you. You are a child of God. You are sons and daughters of the Lord God. You are always my child regardless of what the enemy may shout at you and regardless of how he accuses you. You're still my child. Lift up your head and when you can't lift up your head there are days like that. There are days that you're Tired and worn. And he says, come. And I'll give you rest. You need me to hold on to you? Lay your head down here. And in the presence of the Holy Spirit, I will give you what you need. I'll give you what you need. And then after you have rested, get up and be on your way because I'm going before you. and you have the victory. The ministry of presence, the ministry of God's presence, and the ministry of giving dignity. Could we say a prayer in closing that God would just give us the ability to understand these in our lives? Would you stand with me, please? Lord, I, I'm not exactly sure what you want to say to us today. Uh, but however you've been speaking, we receive. We receive, Lord. Bring to our hearts what, what your truth is. For those who are struggling this morning, bring, bring comfort. For those who are really questioning, oh, Lord, what is this? Bring clarity. For those who are really hurting this morning, would you bring your healing? For those who are just anxious and stressed, Lord, would you bring your presence? Would you bring your peace? Would you help us to allow you to come alongside of us? and minister your presence and to receive the gifts of people who are there for us help us to put on the garment of love always help us to put on the armor of protection and we pray that you would clear our eyes that you would help us to see the glory of God for it's in Jesus name we pray Amen